Hey, Trav, right before we sat down to record this episode, I got uh, a Facebook message from my good friend David Aaron of Thumper Punk Records. Go on. He accurately guessed the intro music. And what is it? Well, I'd like to point out that after all these episodes and uh, failed attempts and blah, 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 the godfather of punk rock himself, David Aaron, has descended from on high to answer this question for us mere mortals. It's Anti-Manifesto by Propagandi. It's a pretty stock thing. I'm a little embarrassed that like our listeners couldn't come through with that. But David did. Nice. He's awesome. He nailed it. He knows everything. So props to David. Dude. Beautiful. Fantastic. Finally, we got somebody. <laughs> Finally, someone answered it. Uh, what's up? Welcome, everybody. I am Jesse. That was Travis. Seth, unfortunately, was trying to make a vegan smoothie, and his beard got caught in his Nutribullet, and it, like, whipped up, and it pulled his head down onto the counter, where his head then hit a toaster and literally toasted his skull. It's ironic. That's a wow. uh, segue into visit SkullToaster.com. See how Are his Elvis Costello glasses still okay? <laughs> I don't know. Early reports okay. indicate probably not, but we'll have to see next week if he comes back. So now we're going to throw it over to our guest. Throw it over? Is that what radio people oh, say? I don't, I don't know. I don't can, know what we're doing we here. <laughs> but um, this was our guest, our guest this week is uh, none other than Matt Putman. Am I saying it right? Is it Putman? It's Putman, yeah, like a man, M-A-N, Putman. Putman, like a man. You put like a man. <laughs> it's not a Putnam for I'm some just... reason. That's the popular uh, pronunciation. Well, I, I have no idea why, because put, 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 m- I, man sounds is put, much more natural than put, Nam. Matthew Putman. I've got the. So uh, you might know him from Esso Karras, Living Sacrifice, Unwed Sailor, Love Drug, Bear Colony, Chase Pagan, Family History, Fear is the Driving Force, Snail Hunter, uh, or the Last Royals, or the Glass Wands. One of one of those bands. I'm, I just tore through his ridiculous Wikipedia page. This is the busiest dude I think I know. Hey, and I'd like to point yeah, out I'm, this, this I'm, is proof that Trav knows how to read. So all you haters right? out there. <laughs> Actually, I had to memorize. My kids read it to me, and I had to memorize it. You know how many times? <laughs> It's actually just just proof that I'm really old. <laughs> I've got the Esoteris CD yeah. uh, released on Dayglow Records, and and you and Corey's names are spelled Putnam. Putnam, yeah. Putnam, yeah. That's I mean, <laughs> everywhere I go, I'm, I'm I'm encountered with this misspelling. I mean, it's a plague on our family name. <laughs> Such According life. to your Wikipedia page, uh, yeah, you're really really old and two years younger than me. So shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, that's good. I'm beating you by a couple of years. I'm happy with that. All right. We're not going down that path. Okay. So uh, <laughs> I met Matt back in Cornerstone. I'm going to go with 2000. No, 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 no. I met you guys uh, 2001-ish or something like that. And, um, play we with played Liv- a show with you guys. Yeah, yeah. play with Living Sacrifice. And, uh, and we, um, we got on the Living Sacrifice. Uh, we crutch at the time. We got on the Living Sacrifice comp. And uh, everybody got to talking to us, and it was before that we actually we, we played with your band, and uh, you guys blew us away. Like, you know, like when you're busy touring and uh, playing and promoting a, an album or whatever, um, you play with a lot of terrible bands. <laughs> <laughs> it it just is what it is, and uh, and you guys were like, we were blown away. Like, because for a few reasons, one, awesome drummer. That that you don't come by that much. Shucks. Two, two. There were no uh, 
no heads on the guitar. Like, no, what is it? Like, the, the your guitar stock. player? Yeah. <laughs> Both of our guitarists played Steinbergers, so they just they just looked like they were playing. They looked like they were playing guitars. Wait, from 80 hang years. on a minute. Is it was <laughs> that like, was Alex, sort right? Of a, like a. It was visually appealing, like yeah. like man. If you remove the headstock from your guitar, you are legit. And our bass player, and, uh, our bass player played. I think it was called a kabiki bass. Yeah, which the end just kind of filed yeah. the point. It looked like something you would lance people in a medieval war with. <laughs> so all had no, there were no headstocks <laughs> no, we, happening. You didn't have headstocks. Yep. <laughs> and uh, something. I mean, it was just like awesome drummer. And and it it wasn't just that. I mean, honestly, like it was just like technically technically amazing. Thank you. And uh, and we were so used to playing with uh, just lame bands. Um, well, I, I'm sorry, I was so used to uh, not being impressed with any bands that we played with. <laughs> so uh, that was like really refreshing. So it was like sort of an instant kinship. So uh, and then yeah, a, we- a week later, I remember Rocky coming up to me and going like, "I think we covered Living Sacrifice that night." Yeah, you did. Yeah, was it breathing murder or uh, murder? Uh, and then uh, yeah. I remember Rocky coming up, and, and I'll do my best Southern accent. And he was like, "Wow, that was <laughs> that was amazing." And uh, <laughs> we were we were playing with you guys the next week up up here, yeah. Whitehall, Pennsylvania. Yeah. And I we remember. said, "Hang in there. By next week, our death cover will be ready." And we played yeah. Comprehension, and you guys were like, Bruh! "Because." Man, what is a Christian metal awesome. band doing playing death? And we yeah. were like, well, they rule. Who cares? You know, I, I'm telling you, man, it, it, it was memorable. I still remember it. So uh, <laughs> awesome. it was awesome. There so, so, so that's how I met you. There he goes. So we crashed into <laughs> each other out there in Maryland somewhere, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, <clears throat> and then uh, saw you guys in Cornerstone. And um, that's when I, I think I really got to talking to you a little bit because let's face it there were like 900 bands all living together for a week we were, we were all sharing each other's peanut butter and stuff and uh, <laughs> and you Pooping gave in me, the woods and you gave <laughs> and you gave me a snail hunter cd yeah and i was like i'm constantly being made fun of for being the not metal guy in the metal band and matt was like <laughs> me too and oh we man talking about all the stuff that we listened to and he handed it's me this, this rad cd that I, i'm holding right here <laughs> in my hand and um it's funny when i when i think back when i think back to that like i mean even in the time i think i joined i joined ls and i think it was early it was like january of 2000 okay and uh, i i remember because we uh we played uh like a sort of i think it was a new year's eve show uh uh, for like going from 1999 and into 2000 and and that was I don't know if everybody remembers, but you know the Y two K thing, and like it was like sort of like people were worried that the world was gonna like go totally. into a, into totally. apocalypse, and uh, and we were we were playing at Vino's in Little Rock, you know, just playing the show, and I remember being kind of nervous, like you know, oh god, I mean, yeah, getting mur- like what's gonna happen, you know, like what if there's a riot, you know, <laughs> and uh, uh, but yeah, that was. It wasn't my first show with them, but it was one of the first. And then after that, it kind of, you know, I was living in Hot Springs at the time, and I moved to Little Rock shortly after. And uh, and and yeah, went went full time in into LS. But um, but yeah, I, I was even at that point, like I was not listening to heavy music at all, and and I, I really haven't even li- I, I I never listen never listened to heavy music, and I haven't for at least fifteen years. Like I don't even really like it like i like to play it (laughs) like i like to play it if it's with my friends you know and i think that's fun uh but as far as like listening to it uh i I mean i 
like I'll pull out old records that kind of have that nostalgia, you know, like mm-hmm. I love, I, I still love like Ride the Lightning, Master of Puppets, you know, all the old metallic, I love all the old Slayer records, I, sure. you know, like, and I like a lot of uh, sort of the local hardcore stuff from my hometown. Like it, if it has nostalgia for me, I like it, but or if I'm sort of connected to it, like I like the Norma Jean records because my brother's in the band, but I don't ever like listen to it. I mean, literally never. Like I, got I just, I got, I, just I understand what that like, means. I don't like heavy music, you know. <laughs> I understand <laughs> you know, what is, that means. It I, is what it is. I load, uh, I load a nostalgic heavy album into my iPod, and I, and I'm like, yeah, this is gonna be great, and I get to track six, and I'm like, God, I'm just not this pissed off anymore. Man. <laughs> I know. You know? So yeah, so at, at that time, you know, when I was giving you that Snow Hunter record, it was like, you know, I, I was really sort of in the midst of that, you know, just not that. That's where I was, you know. I wanted to do experimental stuff, and uh, I guess we call it indie rock now. But uh, that's what I was into. That's still what I'm into. So crazy. That's cool. Well, why don't we? Why don't we? That's a perfect segue. So you're not supposed to say that's a good segue. That's bad rate. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good, that's, what they, uh, that's what they say on the news. So okay. <laughs> you sent us a ton of of stuff that you, you uh, Matt really prepared himself for this for this uh, for this podcast. Uh, he sent me and Jesse uh, eight songs. I, that's not that's not a ton. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> but you didn't just go drag and drop eight songs. You went and found a, a pile of them that you only had on vinyl, and you yeah. pulled that and you made you made it possible to be able to play these songs on this podcast. Yeah, you want to support some local bands, and I—I I mean, what's cooler than that? That's the whole point of this podcast. Is kind of, yeah. you know, Veritas DIY. You know, yeah. keeping it to, real. It's hard, to say. It, it's hard to say support because these bands are all now defunct. But uh, <laughs> I, I want to promote. You know, like I, I'm really proud of of my hometown, uh, Fort Smith, Arkansas, and uh, so many great bands. You know, like I don't think. Uh, <sighs> Anything, anything I've done up to this point, so much of it was inspired by them. So it's like, you know, I listen back. It, it, like I was saying earlier, you know, like I kind of like glide along on this nostalgia. You know, I hear those old records and I just love it. You know, I, I, it just takes me right back to that moment of hearing it and being just blown away. You know, like, oh, my gosh, these are my friends. And they're making this amazing music. Cool. So, uh, yeah, those, you know. These these are the are the bands that I loved growing up and uh, yeah well, most pick, most of it almost all of it is only available on on vinyl. So. We'll pick one from the list and give us a little bit of a, a background on it and we'll we'll take a break and listen to a tune. Yeah, let, let, let's uh, let's hear uh, "Burned Up, Bled Dry." Okay. Uh, so uh, uh, "Burned Up, Bled Dry" is uh, a band that was active probably uh, from. It's hard to remember. You know, it's mid to late 90s. Okay. Um, but they were friends of ours. Uh, when I was in Esoteris, we played a lot of shows with these guys. Um, and uh, it, it's, it's you know, it's grindcore. For, for, that's probably the best way to describe it. Um, but uh, they were just so awesome. Um, you know, uh, Evan, who was their guitar player, um, he's, a, he's a good friend of mine. We, we played together currently in a band. And I've Which known him, one? I've, uh, prom nights. We play in prom okay, nights, which, okay. which is a, a two-piece instrumental, is what we call it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but this is sort of like uh, <clears throat> this is going this is going pretty far back, you know. Like I said, mid to, mid to late nineties. But uh, he's just a great guitar player. He writes awesome riffs, and uh, this was his band, and uh, we we played with them a lot. Um, 
gosh, I could say so much. They were they were in a band before called Benchmark. It was probably one of the single biggest influences on Esoteris at the time. Mm. And and uh, but that was sort of before we were you know Esoteris was a band. So uh, when when Esoteris was around, this was Burned at Blood Drive was the band we played a lot of shows with. And uh, yeah, I mean uh, they they recorded this uh, this seven inch live uh, with Barry Pointer, who did a ton of records. For oh my god, did them all! I thought he did them all. Yeah. Didn't he? Yeah. He did a lot of them, yeah. I mean, for, for <laughs> LS alone, he did Reborn, uh, uh, Conceived in Fire, and Hammering Process. Wow. And then he he did Zeo, uh, Blood and Fire, uh, Liberate, uh, and every, I, I'm pretty sure he did every Zeo record except the, the first one. And uh, wow. and then, I mean, on and on and on. I mean, he, he did dozens of records. But uh, he was also, like, sort of like the guy, you know, like around yeah, yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Like, all the local bands went there, too. But uh, they yeah. uh, couldn't quite afford, you know, a week to two weeks to a month at the studio. So they would do everything live. And so uh, if you hear Burned at Blood Dry or another band that I sent you guys, uh, Rash of Beatings, um, those are all just live. So everything you hear is happening right there in the moment. And it's just so amazing. I love no, it. So Nothing cool. Yeah. Nothing cooler than that. What's the, What's the name of the song? Uh, which one did I send you? I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed now because I don't remember. (laughs) I was hoping you'd remember. I don't have a file in front of me. Burned up, blood dry. Count on. Count on yourself. Count on yourself. That's the one. Absolutely. That's it. Take us away, Jesse. So, Mr. Putman, I have a, I have a question for you that I've never asked you before. Okay. How exactly did you join Living Sacrifice without being the drummer? Like like how how did that conversation come about? Like who 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 started the uh you know what I think we should do is kind of do like this extra percussion thing and how did they find you and like what was the whole like what was the beginnings of that? And also a uh, addendum to that question without liking heavy music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, did you, how did you sneak yeah. in as a metal guy when you're a self-professed, not metal guy? How, uh, well, who did I, you I, know? And you know, who's, whose ass did you kiss to get into it or whatever? You know? <laughs> well, at, at the time I, I was definitely a metal guy. Uh-huh. So, so, the, so the way that the trajectory of the whole thing was, so, um, uh, here in Fort Smith, um, you know, Esocaris was, was my band. It was me and my, my brother, Corey, our friend, Jason, and, and our friend, Arthur. And so we were playing a lot of shows and, uh, we were, we were the only like, um, Christian band, like Christian, like metal band. Okay. Like, for this area period. And, uh, the only other Christian metal band in Arkansas was, uh, living sacrifice. 
sure. but they had but they had been around for at least ten years longer. So uh, so yeah, uh, the way it happened was they played a show in my hometown. Um, we had a little club called Ravi's, and um, they came down and played, and, and it was sort of in the in the period between Inhabit and Reborn. So they had written about half of Reborn, and their set was basically half of half Inhabit and half Reborn. And uh, so we, we we played a show with them at, at Ravi's, and uh, we were we were blown away. Like it was like one of the one of the defining moments of my life. Like seeing them play, it was really powerful. And um, I would and, have loved uh, to seen that show because that would have been. Um, <laughs> I mean. Bruce took over vocals at that point. DJ was out, right? Exactly, yeah. But they were playing a ton of Inhabit stuff with Bruce singing? They were, yeah. And oh, it was, my it, God. It was, I would have loved to have seen that. I know. And it was funny because uh, Reborn wasn't out, but the, like, the songs from Reborn were the ones that were like really powerful. Yeah. And so like, yeah. I, like when that show was over, the only CD they had for sale was Inhabit. So like we went and bought it, and I... I, I <laughs> It's terrible, but I, I remember going home and listening to it and being really disappointed because, like, it, like, it didn't match at all. With, you know, with, with, yeah, yeah. It, it just it didn't match with the experience I just had. Gotcha. And uh, wrong you know, guy. Which, which, yeah, I mean, and, yeah. and not just that. Like, you know, when Bruce took over on vocals, like the whole spirit of the band changed. It, it went to more of a a metalcore. Yep. It's something I connected with a little more, and uh, you know, like I grew up in the in the punk hardcore like DIY local, you know, like it wasn't this. I don't know. It, it's hard to describe, but when you you know, you can hear it. the The difference between yeah. Reborn and Inhabit, you no know, like it's just it. it's just huge. Steven, and my, so, my cousin Steven, the unteachers guy, he get, he had um, man, I. Man, I wonder if he still has it. Now that you mention it, I, I only, mm-hmm. he had a um, he had a demo cassette with sell yeah. with sellout on it. Yeah, and he we, was like, we ha- "Did you hear the new Living Sacrifice?" And I was like, "No." Yeah. Here, he put it in. I just remember being like, "Oh my yeah. god!" We had that demo too, and that circulated around the Fort Fort Smith. And uh, yeah, that was also recorded with Barry Porner, most mostly live. But it's it wasn't the Reborn album; it was the demos for. Oh, for Reborn. so heavy! And so, so that you know, it was just like there was a big difference between that. And uh, so yeah, so but but from that show, we basically became friends with them. It was sort of like a kinship, you know. We were like a Christian band in Fort Smith. They were a Christian band in Little Rock, and and we were the only two like heavy right. metal Christian pants in Arkansas. Right. So we just started playing shows together. And uh, they, well, I say we, that means they invited us to play shows because we had, <laughs> we had nothing, you know, like we had the only place we had any pool was in our hometown. So, uh, so yeah, they would, they would invite us out and we would play and uh, we just became good, good friends with them. And, uh, and, and then it got to the point, I mean, the, the Esocaris record, Bruce paid for it. Like we recorded that record with Barry, um, and Bruce paid for it, and Bruce put it out on on his label. And uh, and then later on, Dayglo picked it up out of Sweden, and then eventually Solid, Solid State put it out. But the only reason it was ever recorded was because of Bruce. What was Bruce's label's name? I don't. I'm not aware. Uh, 
I feel I feel like a terrible person right now because I can't re- remember the name of it. <laughs> you are. You are a terrible. Yeah, I know. Now I have to Google it. More importantly, <laughs> who owns I, I, I it now? Remember the name, but it's it's the red. You know, um, it's the red cover with a big E on it. Is all I remember. I just don't remember the name. And, Does Solid State uh, own the album, or did they license it from you guys? They licensed it from Bruce. Yeah. So Bruce owns it still. Uh, yeah, basically, yeah. I mean, well, we, we recorded it in 1997. I mean, um, maybe Bruce should give yeah. me a call and he should license it to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, I'm sure we can work that out. But yeah, point being, the only reason we, we made a record was because Bruce loved our band and he wanted to record us. So he brought us down to Little Rock. He booked the time in the studio with Barry and we did the record. And, uh, and he put, I, I remember we were on tour with uh living sacrifice when it came out and uh it's funny uh the drummer for pod what's his name wolf wolf Wolf. yeah he actually (laughs) brought this he he for some reason we had to have the cd shipped out to uh to somewhere they the cd came out while we were on tour so he shipped it out and wolf brought them to us while we were on tour and it was like our it was like our first time ever seeing our own cd and uh we were so stoked and uh and after that things kind of like uh actually Bruce is actually the one who who hooked us up with this with the record label in Sweden Dayglow. And but but unfortunately what happened was we uh we put the record out on Dayglow and they flew us over to Sweden and while we were we were on tour in in Europe uh we broke up. <laughs> what? And yeah, we broke up in Europe. And uh and uh we came home and uh, basically that was it. We uh, we recorded that seven inch because we had already ri- uh, we had the songs already written, and uh, yeah, we broke up and we were done. And so, uh, we all moved on. We all moved on to different things. And then eventually, uh, you know, a couple of years later, Solid State licensed the record and put it out. That's got to be an awkward was, plane flight home from Sweden. <laughs> uh, it was the whole thing was really <laughs> awkward, and uh, you know I won't go into the details of of, of why we broke up because I, I look back now I look back now and I think it's pretty ridiculous. But well, that uh, doesn't and make me want to know. Was my own less. fault, but uh, it was ridiculous. So uh, we I think we had a lot a lot more a lot more we we could have done, but uh, you know whatever hindsight twenty twenty right. So we uh, yeah that was it though. Um, you know Bruce did the whole record. So you Solid guys broke State up, licensed it. You flew back to Sweden and you recorded the seven inch after you broke up. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and and with the seven inch, that was our friend Jared Norris from Dallas, and he had a record label called Dead Self, and uh, we had we had we had a song on one of his comp. He, he had a compilation album that he put out, and uh, but he. We had two songs left that we had written that were just kind of sitting there, and we were really proud of them, and but they weren't recorded, and so he basically sent us money, <laughs> and so, uh, but we didn't really, we didn't want to go, we didn't want to go back into a studio and and do it that way. We wanted to spend more time on it, mm-hmm. so we we took the budget he sent us, and we uh, we had a good friend Matt Depper um, that had a little home studio, and so we we gave him the budget, and we. I say we gave it to him, but we basically used that money to buy some really nice uh, monitors and and a nice microphone, and we did it. We did it ourselves, and uh, really had no idea what we were doing, especially for hard music. And uh, uh, I think we just talked about Matt Depper. He, he was uh, he's the other half of Snow Hunter, 
but uh, same studio. Um, we went in there and, and and did the seven inch with him, and uh, and that was it. And that <laughs> that was, was it. That was the end of Esoteris. What year was that? Ninety nine. That was around. Well, I, that was actually around ninety eight. And so, uh, this, I'm telling this story really long because you asked me how I hooked up with uh, Living Sacrifice. Hey, it's a but, podcast. Uh, no commercials. <laughs> well, I, I know. think it's. I so, think it's so what happened was. Go ahead. Sorry, I think it's interesting that like people, uh, younger generation doesn't realize in 1998, like, like nowadays everybody's got a home studio, everybody's got GarageBand. In 98, most yeah. people didn't even have a computer or the internet yeah. or anything. Yeah. Yeah. We so had, this we, was a we big had deal. no computer. We used like a Roland uh, 24 track machine or something. I mean, it wasn't tape, but it wasn't uh, you know, it wasn't a laptop. <laughs> well, right not on. Only, not only, yeah. Yeah, not only that, but you guys, that was. That, that was new ground then. The reason why Reborn was so amazing was. was because, yeah, the first Living Sacrifice albums were great. But Reborn was like, whoa, what is this exactly? It didn't really exist. Man. And it was the same thing yeah. kind of, you know, with all that, with Esoteris and that kind of stuff around that time. That was like the birth of a new genre and a new era, really. It was, I mean, I, 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 when I think about it, I think it was basically a shift to metalcore. You know, sort of the uh, middle line between traditional heavy metal and hardcore music well wasn't that right um, that was like right on the cusp of like when tooth and nail started solid state just to give this stuff a home I mean, wasn't reborn, it was wasn't reborn like the second album on solid state or the fourth or in there somewhere yeah i i don't remember the exact number but it was one of the early ones yeah 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 and, yeah. and it, it, it was when yeah when tooth and nail split off did, did basically a subdivision for uh heavy right. music yeah that like yeah. this this is right at the induction of all this stuff yeah, so so basically, uh, Esel Karras broke up, and I moved to Hot Springs, Arkansas, and I started playing with my friend uh, Ricky Rogers, uh, who played in Warlord. Hang on. Oh my and god! We, Hang on. And so we this is, this we is decided a, this is gonna be huh? a huge rabbit trail. Let's play uh, let's play Absolute Progress of Nothing Day before we get distracted on Warlord and all that good stuff. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. Here we go.
that seven inch is pretty hard to find anymore. I know it goes for pretty high prices. I got mine for like, I think three bucks from ranch records in Salem, Oregon forever ago. <laughs> and it's an awesome seven inch. I absolutely love it. Um, I, I actually, I ripped it to digital myself so I could play it on my iPod and stuff, but, uh, oh, great that's, seven awesome. Inch. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah, that uh, was really fun to record. We basically took our time. You know, like I said earlier, we invested in some studio equipment and just uh, we were we just like went hog wild on it, man. Like adding tambourines. Like <laughs> I think at one point I'm spraying a hairspray container, um, <laughs> which, which was an idea I got from the uh, the Smashing Pumpkins, which is one of my favorite bands at the right time. Right on. And hey, uh, hey Matt, slow down, slow down, everybody. Uh, during the break, you said. Uh, Bruce's record label, Seize the Day Records. Seize the Day. I, I finally remembered it. It took me a second. And, yeah, and while I was Googling around looking for Seize the <laughs> Day Records, I learned that Esso Karras' original name was what? It was Elliot. Elliot. Yeah. And, uh, we, the, we, you, had to, you had to change the name because uh, Elliot well, Revelation we, we, Records was coming exactly. after you? Yeah. Well, no, no. It was, it was we were paranoid about we you know like when you're young and and you're thinking of band names you don't want to share a band name with anybody else you know right so you're kind of like looking at the time there was no internet so we would look through fanzines and and uh stuff like that to make sure that the name wasn't already taken okay uh, but at the time we we wanted to name our band after elliot from et we just thought you know we wanted to be what we called at the time an emo band like we wanted to be a cross between like Sunny Day Real Estate and, you know, the local bands that we loved, like Benchmark yeah. or like the heavy bands like, uh, you know, LS or, you know, like stuff like that. Mm-hmm. We we wanted to be some like it's it's funny now and it's it's almost a joke now. But back then, like the uh, like our idea was, hey, we should be in a band that does screaming and singing. And that like <laughs> That's that never going to work. That was like a <laughs> That was a revolutionary concept back then. Like, like right. nobody was doing that. Actually, and and uh, actually, Tooth and Nail uh, put out a record by a band called Bloodshed, who did that exact same thing. And uh, I, I actually remember being kind of bummed. We were like, "Oh man, these guys like they like beat us to the punch." <laughs> you know, like they're doing they're doing like the heavy music scream sing thing, and I'm you know, like, ah, that's what we were doing, you know, and. Uh, but it, it it didn't really dissuade us, you know. We just kept going. But uh, th- back then that was revolutionary, you know, and, and and it became known as screamo. But uh, but yeah. back then that just wasn't done, you know. There was there was not a mix of that. So there you go. So, Matt Putman invented screamo. He said it. <laughs> okay, so go on to your next part. <laughs> I definitely didn't say that. <laughs> Matt Putman, the godfather yeah, of screamo. On that uh, on that song, on that S.O. Karras song we just heard, um, uh, Ryan from uh benchmark and burned up blood dry actually sings on that towards the end so we you know but yeah we were basically in the studio just like bringing our friends in and playing hairspray containers and just going hog wild awesome and uh but actually that song is going to come out on a um compilation album for our friend tim who uh was the drummer for warlord 
he's got medical issues and and they're doing a uh, a uh, compilation to sort of raise funds for that. Yeah, so Steven is heavily involved in that, I would think. Yeah, so that'll be yeah. the first time any of those songs have ever been released on CD. Whenever whenever we released that song on on Solid State, they asked us to include those 7-inch songs and I I I was the guy that was like, "No." <laughs> like <laughs> I just I just really at the time it was still sort of fresh to me and I didn't want to do that and uh the recordings are so different. I just felt like, you know, this seven inch is really special. Like, I don't want to do that. Cool, cool, cool. And, uh, but, you know, it's been a long time and, and, you know, so, so let's it's, re- just, it's just sitting there. Let's re-rail back. You were about to go into the Ricky Warlord thing and let, and, and we have, oh, to yeah. Break. So, let's, so, re- let's re-rail. Yeah, so, so we're getting back to why, to, yeah, how I joined, uh, Living Sacrifice. So, yeah, uh, Esso Karras broke up. I moved to Hot Springs, Arkansas, and started playing with my friend uh, Ricky Rogers, uh, who was in Warlord. And uh, at the time, we were, we were listening to a lot of like Don Caballero and oh. uh, Jesus Lizard and uh, uh, Chavez, and just like oh my sort god, of, sort of like this like really I awesome. All three of those albums sitting right over there. You there. Yeah. there you go. There you go. And uh, we just kind of wanted to do this cool like sort of two man instrumental thing. And uh, we ended up actually writing a lot of songs, but at the end of the day, I, I really hated living in Hot Springs. It was a really depressing town, <laughs> and uh, I just just wasn't really loving life then. And and uh, but Arthur, um, who was in Esso Paris with me, he had already joined Living Sacrifice because Chris Truby left, who was Jason mm-hmm. Truby. Yeah. Right, 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 right. J- Jason Truby was the guitar player on Reborn and all the records before that, mm-hmm. and uh, and he. And but anyway, Chris Truby had left the band. Actually, both Trubies had left the band, and uh, so Rocky joined on guitar, and then and needed a bass player. So Arthur joined. And I mean, long story short, they just started calling me, and you know, uh, there there was a show that we did. Um, well, basically, Living Sacrifice was the cornerstone. Uh, Esoteris, we were all there too. And uh, there, there, there's one song on Reborn where there's like some sort of percussion stuff going on. I can't remember the name of it right now. But when they played at Cornerstone, I joined in for that one part. And it was me and the drummer for a band called Mind Rage. And, uh, and we played this sort of extra drum, this sort of percussion part. And uh, it was just really fun and really cool. It sounded awesome. And so they were like, hey, you know, maybe you should come and like play a few shows with us and do that part. And, uh, but it just, you know, I'm kind of a busybody. So we, we, you know, I, I hooked up with them and I just started just playing on everything. And, uh, <laughs> so I just played along on everything. And then pretty soon we were just started writing, uh, the herring process record. And it just was, it just went from there. It's just one of those things, you know, it's kind of fell into it. And, uh, and so I ended up moving to Little Rock and, uh, went on tour for about two years, basically. Uh, we were still, kind of promoting reborn and playing songs that we were writing for the hammering process. And then sometime in the middle there, we actually recorded the record and then went on tour for another year and a half, uh, promoting it. Yeah. So that, that's really how it happened. Just so so the percussion thing, the percussion thing kind of came from you horsing around during a a song and they thought, Hey, that, that sounded cool enough that we might want to kind of add it and and, get out of here. And we might. I think what probably happened is is whenever Esso was touring a lot with LS, I was probably playing that live. You know, I 
I can't. I just can't rem- remember the name of the song. But uh, there, there's a song on Reborn that has. There's only one song on the whole record, and it has like these extra drums on it, and it's really cool. But I can't remember the name of it. And so I would play along on that song. And uh, you hear yeah, that, kids? It, when the when the other band asks you to come up on stage and jam with them, just go <laughs> do it. You never know. I've been so, waiting. Yeah, I mean, it was sort of after that we just did it and uh, ended up making two records, and it was really fun. I've been waiting for you guys to bring up Hammering Process just so I can brag that I've got it on purple <laughs> vinyl. <laughs> got, yeah. Great head. Yeah, Bradley uh, Hathaway put that out, the vinyl record collection. I had it on uh, gray and black, too, and I ended up trading those off. But Greg, who from Crux, used to be on the podcast, had two of them on purple, limited to 125 copies, and he traded me. No yeah. Yeah, he had two of them. He bought them at a show because he buys every record at every show ever, and he knows every band in the oh. world. Yeah, and, th- uh, then I I know exactly what tour he was on then because uh, we spoke earlier. Bradley Hathaway, who is sort of the poet guy who put out some his own stuff, but he had a label for a second. He wanted to put out the Snow Hunter record, but it didn't work out. But he did put out the Hammering Process on vinyl, and uh, yeah, that's the only existing copies of the hammering process on vinyl so uh that that has to be what your friend has but yeah very rare that's cool that's really cool yeah yeah huh. that's a cool album i think like all i get called a new school poser because i think hammering process is my favorite living sacrifice album i, I don't know it's yeah. hard to pick a favorite i guess but either that or yeah. foreign probably for me but um it's really funny because like you know i was in the band for two records but uh reborn is still my favorite record like, <laughs> it's just it was just like so uh i can't explain it you know like it was <sighs> hey matt it, yeah reborn is my favorite record too i mean like right am i right i mean it's just and and i love you and you weren't on reborn so <laughs> i don't care i mean i don't it doesn't care. matter it was so good you know like it, it was re- i mean it was revolutionary i mean it was really i mean if you look at the whole like the whole canon you know of ls i mean like there is a definite there is a definite split there you know between inhabit and reborn and it, it and it's not just because bruce switched to vocals it's a whole it's it, it's a whole it's a sea change it's you know totally like yeah. they changed their whole style and and to me personally it became so powerful it, you know like started, i mean like they started honestly move. like there was I a mean, groove there i mean that that show that i saw in my hometown i mean it still to this day 20 years later it's the best show i've ever seen wow i mean that's, I mean, I went, I mean, a lot I went, say. I just went home and I was just blown away, you know, and some of that is just like the, the naivete of youth, you know, whatever sure. it is. But, uh, still it's just, it was amazing. You know, I, like, I remember hearing that demo from, from Steven and, and, uh, you know, it starts off the way that it starts off. And then, and then when it starts to, when it starts to gallop, you know, it starts to build. Yeah. Thing, it's that and the kick drum and the ride yeah, cymbal no. and the guitar is all just smashing your face with 16th notes. And I was like, Oh, this is really like, I've never it, heard them do this before. It's like otherworldly, you know, it, I mean, it's even like sort of like the birth of the breakdown, you know, like if, if you think about like 95 ish is when this was all happening, 95, 96, 97, like before that, everything was either fast, yeah, or or it was like, you know, hardcore music, and and they incorporated all of it, 
and you know, so they'd be playing fast and they go into a breakdown. Like there was nothing more powerful than that back yep. then. You know, it would just like And the artwork know. the artwork had that traditional solid state. Now we're like we're trying to talk to you about your life and now we're just talking about living sacrifice. But <laughs> um I remember the artwork just had like that scratchy black and white, like all the all the photos had like stain like water stains on them and stuff, and everything just yeah. looked like it was just being held together with staples. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they, yeah, they I, had they had like a giant piece of wood with nails in it. Yeah. And like I it, just remember thinking like before I played it, I remember seeing the artwork and thinking like this album is going to beat my ass yeah. senseless. I didn't even listen to it yet. You know? It's just it's just one of those moments in time when everything comes together in the perfect way. Right. You know, and it was it was just their time and it just worked and it was so amazing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, even even today, I think back to that, I, I can clearly remember that show, you know, and just being sort of swallowed up, like being in the audience for that. You know, you, you were just kind of swallowed up, swallowed up into it because yeah. everybody was so into it. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see any of that. I didn't. I didn't see. <laughs> I've, I've never seen Living Sacrifice until we played with them, and you guys, you, know, were, you guys yeah. were doing the hammering tour. So yeah, I think you kind of had to be uh, from Arkansas in that time because I, I don't think they were playing out much. But man, it was just freaking awesome. It's oh, kind wow. of the difference between so, yeah. like Trav and I talk a lot about, and we did a whole podcast on the difference between like our favorite albums and the most influential ones, and the way Trav uh, so eloquently described influential was the ones that like kick you in the back of the head. And that's yeah. Not only was living, not only was reborn, kind of that was their time, but it was also our our time. Collect, you know, we're all the same age, pretty much here, and like that was a time yeah. when we were. Man, yeah. it was the beginning of a movement. Like it's I think, nostalgic. I think reborn it's... started the movement. I I, I, you know? I remember, um, it was right around the same time. I fell into both of the albums at the same time. I don't remember if they came out. I think they were near each other. But between um, Reborn and uh, Advent of a Miracle from Strongheart, yeah, uh, well, both both of those albums rerouted my walk and my faith. They like are, they're I, awesome. I, I really yeah. I, lyrically they smashed me. I just i i hit I hit a wall and I was like, I need I need changes in my life. And 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 Reborn had something to do with that. It really yeah, did. And, I mean, and also right in the middle of that was uh, the Zao album, uh, Blood and Fire. Oh oh which yeah, was, <laughs> which was also like I yeah. mean, it was just it was it took it even further. You know, the sort of the breakdown between metalcore hardcore and sort of like diy um underground metal i mean like right it it, it kind of fused it all together i mean yeah it's funny now when i look back but i i used to listen to that zeo record blood and fire when i was going to sleep i mean how ridiculous is that you can't listen to that when you're going to sleep but you know when i was you know 20 or 22 or ho- however old i was you know right, like right, it was right. just like I was, and, uh, you know, Bruce produced that album and they, they, they did it with Barry and he was the producer and, uh, he showed it. So we heard it before everybody else. And it was just like, holy shit. You know, like, yeah, right. I know. Right. You know, it just like, it was a mind blower, you know, cause they were using like, you know, like carcass vocals and just like, yep. it was, it, it was just nothing you had ever heard before, you know? And, uh, it was, rev- it was completely revolutionary. You know, it was just sort of on the track, you know, I, I just think reborn kind of started that whole trajectory of, of where things went. I agree. And let's not forget, I just, this just popped in my head. Uh, let's not forget embodiment, embrace the eternal. Oh man, such a great, also done with Barry Pointer. Yeah. I know. And, uh, yeah. And, Barry uh, did everything. And, uh, we got to get Barry know, on the podcast. I know. Right. <laughs> 
Um, uh, but uh, yeah, and and also you know, Esoteris and Embodiment, we were like tour buddies. We did three tours together. Uh, we were always together, and so we heard that whole record come together. And uh, uh, man, those are just like some of the best memories. Cool. We just, uh, you know, yeah. And, and that band is Embodiment was they took it to the extreme. You know, like nobody could like the guitar squeals and the blast beats, you know, like nobody was doing like, it sort of came full circle with that back to sort of the metal hybrid, yeah, you know, where it was, you know, like nobody was doing that yet. And yep. they like took it, embodiment took it all the way there. Garza, uh, Garza was one of the first albums. Uh, I, I don't, I don't want this to sound as haughty and proud as it's going to sound, but Gar, Garza was one of the first albums I heard from that genre, from that era where I was kind of yeah. like, Oh man, I don't, I don't know how much work I got to put into this album. I know. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be able to play that, man. Dude, His snare. Imagine, oh my god, yeah. he dropped that. Imagine snare being so fast. on tour with that guy, having to play like before him and after him. Like it was ridiculous. <laughs> he he had quarters on his bass drums. He he would use uh uh like that's because these... he's from Texas and they took that idea from Pantera. Yeah, he would take these. He would have yeah. He would have these wooden uh, bass drum mallets. Hitting and then quarters. he would hitting quarters taped to his bass drum, and it made this sort of click and thud thing, and it was yeah. ridiculous. It's a machine gun it, it turned it into it a was it was huge. Yeah, you know, it, it, all that stuff. I mean, I don't know. It's all over now, and it and it's funny to look back on it. But uh, man, and to all, watch those... play. Speaking of speaking of Garza, to watch him play, the dude is so chill. Oh man, I he watched him so every chill night. back there. The dude, he put a floor tom over on his left side. He kept one over. His <laughs> I right know. Side. The dude never moved. He's just like, I'm cool. I got everything under control, and he's and he's just yeah. smashing you. Yeah, yeah. Dude. I would get them with my like metalcore band every night, and like be throwing up in the parking lot, wanting to die. <laughs> and he was just like, I need some water. Yeah, you know, like it was thirsty. Yeah. <laughs> so I love that guy. Let's 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 um let's try to steer this thing around to what you're doing now, because I want to talk to you about like. Just how the hell are you pulling off all the stuff that you're pulling off? So, so pick off, uh, pick like one of the current things that you're doing uh, according according to Wikipedia. I'm doing Seth's uh, Millhouse voice now. Uh, <laughs> Bear Colony is 2005 to present. Chase Pagan is 2005 to present. I know you've been you've been goofing around with Chase forever. Um, yeah. Family History is 2008 to present. Fear is the driving force. 2008. To are you currently in four bands? Well, uh, you know, what does it mean to be in a band these days? I don't know. Um, so, so what I do currently is so, uh, so fear is the driving force that, that is a band with my brother, Corey, uh, Corey and I were the, we started as Ocaris. We wrote all the songs. Okay. So, um, you know, he's my brother. So, uh, <laughs> we grew up together and, uh, so yeah, fear is basically, um, uh, he had a bunch of songs that were basically, uh, I think the best way to compare it is it's the stuff we grew up with. You know, it's fast and kind of violent and uh, and just sort of pissed off sounding. Okay. And he had, you know, basically stuff that doesn't work with Norma Jean, uh, which is his band. So, yeah, we just started doing that and we did a demo um, and ended up using that to kind of raise funds for a full length. So we actually have a full length, like 90% in the tank. Um, just vocals are the only thing that's left. So, uh, it's just sitting there. Um, but yeah, it's just really fun. You know, like I said earlier, I, I don't listen to heavy music ever at all, ever. 
Um, but I, I listen to that because it's, you know, it's got like sentimental value. And the song uh, you sent us was uh, Diet Cocaine Habit? Yeah, that's it. And uh, <laughs> that, I think I sent you the demo version and we re, re, we uh, redid it with for the full length. Uh, my brother Adam is the uh, recording engineer and he's amazing. Um, so yeah, it's like a it's like a three brother trifecta. Yeah, how many how many siblings do you have? I'm, I'm trying to keep count. I'm up to fourteen. At this point. <laughs> I I only have three. I have uh, my oldest brother is Tristan, and he is a computer programmer. Okay, and uh, it sort of lives the normal life. Um, Boring. I know. <laughs> no, he's he's amazing. I love what him. Up? And, what the, up, and then and then there's Corey, who is you know uh, he was in Esoteric with me. He was actually also in Living Sacrifice, and now he's in Norma Jean. How long um, has he been in Norma Jean? Oh gosh, it's probably been almost ten years now. I'd bet because my last, my my second to last show with Crutch, as we were switching over to Alathian, uh-huh. would have been very late two thousand two, very oh, yeah. early two thousand three. Was that before him? There's only one Norma Jean record without Corey on it. It's their very first record. He's been on every one after that. So uh, he, so, yeah. So we might have played with him. I'm sh- you probably was, did, yeah. He's he's been with them a very time. long time. He's their probably he's their main songwriter. He's an amazing musician. Okay, um, he's awesome. So yeah, and then there's number three. That's me, and there's my younger brother Adam. Adam is a sound engineer. He works at a club up in uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas, and he runs his own studio, uh, Insomniac Studios, and uh, he's amazing. Like really, honestly, <laughs> anybody if you need something mixed or recorded, look him up because he's he's a badass. Right on. Okay. Um, so yeah, see, so, yeah, so fear is our sort of project together. I guess you'd call it. Jesse, can I play? Can I hear some diet cocaine habit, please? Yeah. Uh, wait. Do you guys have an ETA on? You're just waiting on the the vocals in. You don't have like an ETA for the whole album. I've got the five song EP uh, or whatever. And I love yeah, it. I we great. we are actually scheduled to record the vocals in less than two weeks. Wow! But okay. but this is the third time we have been scheduled to record the vocals, and it hasn't happened yet. So. Uh-oh. We'll see. <laughs> All right. It's a really lazy. It's a really lazy project. No, I love it. That's good. <laughs> So we forgot to tell everybody at the start that we've completely switched feeds for, I don't know, like the fourth time now. Everybody, if you're listening to this, blackvinylcollective.com or find us on iTunes, we promise it won't change again. It's changed three or four times recently. If you go find us now, if you've changed it within a few days ago, 
you, you're probably on the wrong feed. So sorry, things happen. A few days ago, today is the 29th. I don't know when we're posting this. Yeah, and, and yeah. I want to point out that uh, we've sent we've switched to Simplecast on the recommendation of Billy Powers from Urban Achiever, and they have been amazing. Those dudes yeah, like dude. instantly return an email. And, uh, you know, oh, hey, you know what? Let me help you change this and we'll get this going and we'll, you know, screw iTunes. We'll make it happen one way or another. And we have found a home. I love. Podcast. They're amazing. I love Bill Power. <laughs> Bill, oh, that loves Bill Power. Everybody knows Billy Power. I'm sorry. Billy Power now. Sorry. No, I don't. I don't know if it's Billy or Bill. I don't. I'm not, I don't know which way he's going with it. I'm pretty sure it's BillyPower.com. So I think he's yeah. going with Billy. I think Billy is a little more marketable. Maybe who knows? <laughs> Makes him seem Bill- friendlier. Who knows? His podcast is great. I've been listening to it. He's a couple episodes. Great. Deep. I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I'm with you. Urban Achiever. I, Urban yeah. Achiever. What, oh, man. Great intro. I, too. I love Bill. Like, Blenderhead was one of my favorite Tooth & Nail bands ever. So. Dude, the first song I ever heard from Blenderhead, now we're going down that path. Um, uh, the, dude, talking, I mean, the Talking Heads cover. Oh, my know, God. Nailed you know, it. You're talking about Muchacho Vivo. Muchacho great Vivo. record. Yep. Matt Johnson, who was also the drummer in Roadside, yep. definitely by far one of my favorite drummers of all time. I'm so glad somebody brought up Roadside. The, what, <laughs> they, they talk about kicking a dent in my head. Like when me and Jesse are cut off with like top three metal, top three punk. Top, roadside yeah. is in there, but I don't know what category to drop them in. They're just Roadside Monument. That's They're, my category. Yeah, I, I think dumb. at this point you'd probably call them indie rock. Okay. I, mean, you know, I, played in, I played in a band with John Ford from, you know, un- He's with them with Sailor. I played with him for ten years, so yeah, I'm I'm really familiar with uh with Roadside, but uh yeah, great drummer. Oh, love love that guy. Yeah, man. So yeah, uh, simple cast. Uh, BlackVinylCollective.com. Uh, we we don't know what we're doing. We're in this. Uh, Matt, I think you're our fifteenth episode, and um, we we have no idea what we're doing, and um. We just hit the import button and everything just magically popped into place. Everything worked. Everything looked great. Um, the guys who run Simplecast are responding to emails. Like they they did a great job. And if anybody's out there considering anything, don't even waste your time anywhere else. Um, they're they're really they're really holding it down. They're doing a great job. And if you and listen I, I to our podcast, you know that you know nobody would be paying us to do this ad so it's got to be genuine <laughs> that's true yeah the, no i'm yeah that simple cast famous to do an ad <laughs> yeah we're, we're not we're not we're not that commercial podcast yeah. where <laughs> we're not getting paid no. to say this we just had a great experience and they took really good care of us we had a bad yep. experience with a couple other hosts and these guys have really ironed out the kinks for us so from here on out, you guys should not have any problems receiving this podcast on your iPhone or your Android or whatever you use to listen to it. It should yeah, be we're everywhere. Staying. We're staying right here. Yeah, BlackBarnCollective.com. Right That's the feed. Uh, enjoy. So anyway, uh, back to we just listened to Fear is a Driving Force. I really like that, and I know that's a demo. I've got that five-song demo. I'm really excited to hear the full length. Um, yeah. Yeah, the stuff. full length is, uh, you know, it's like – I. I want to say it's 90% done. I mean, well, all of the instrumentation is done just waiting for vocals. So uh, mm-hmm. we've, we've booked time to do vocals a few times, and it kind of fell through. We have another uh, booking coming up here in less than two weeks, and we'll see if it works out. And uh, 
we're definitely de- determined to get it done. We uh, we put out that demo as a fundraiser, and we had a lot of awesome people um, put money towards it to help us do this. So we used that money to uh, finish the instrumentation. So now we're just uh, just like you know, it's sometimes it's, it's hard to you know go that go that last mile. So mm-hmm. <laughs> we're yeah. we're definitely working hard on it, and uh, we're all thinking about it, and we want to get it done. And and the and the tracks as they are just sound. I mean, they're just. They rip. I'm super excited. That's my wife's biggest complaint about me doing stuff around the house. She's like, you get 75, 80% of the way into it, and then for some reason you just kind of, you know, know. stop and then watch football. I don't know. (laughs) I know. What is that? It's like human nature. I don't know. You're like, you like work really hard and you just like, I need a nap. Yeah. Next next thing you know, it's been three years. I'm just not wired. I'm not wired to finish anything. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like, I definitely love to finish things, but yeah, there. You know, in some projects, I'm 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 more driven to fin- to like get done. But uh, you know, sometimes sometimes things just fall by the wayside, and it's the way it yeah. works. It is what it is. Well, hurry up and get it finished, because that's uh, that's definitely Trav and I both always say we like our punk with a little metal in it. And I grew up more as a punk guy than a metal guy. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So yeah, I love it. Totally. Uh, I enjoy the five songs, or I think it's five, five, six. It, yeah, it's five. It's it. Five. I think it. I think so. Five, yeah, and I think, I think the full yeah. length has nine. Sweet. So oh. uh, we took those five and, and redid them, and then we have four, maybe even five more. So uh, it's gonna be really good. I'm excited. Cool. So uh, we talked about so eso so eco whatever <laughs> the hell uh, ls mentioned a little snail hunter. You just brought up a little unwed sailor. Uh, this, let, let's talk about this little love drug. Uh, thing that you went off on. I, I remember everybody kind of talking about that after you left Li- uh, Living Sacrifice. It was like, oh my god, Matt hammered down like he's gigging. You got the Love Drug gig. Yeah. That was like a big deal. You were in a video, and that was like yeah. uh, you're you're supposed to be like a billionaire rock star, right? Oh uh, no, no, no. That's <laughs> that's not how it works. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you so, know, uh, so give I us really... give us give us the five minute Love Drug story. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, Long, long story short, um, I was a big fan of uh, – so uh, Michael Shepard was the uh, main songwriter for Love Drug. And before Love Drug, he was in a band called Kareth Ravine. And uh, I loved that band. I had their their first record. I had their second record, and I had their, their third record, which was just an EP. And uh, I just loved that band. I loved his songwriting style. It was great. And uh, I was on tour with uh, Unwood Sailor early 2000s, and we played a show with them. And uh, at that time, I met their manager, uh, Timothy Eddings, who's a great guy, great manager. And uh, we just hit it off. And uh, at some point, uh, their drummer, loved our drummer, uh, was kind of a crazy guy. Um, his name was Joas. Uh, Joas? Joas, yeah, and I, I believe if I remember the story correctly, he uh, was raised in an Amish community. Oh, and, that explains uh, the name Joas. Yeah, but okay. he was a he was a hard drinking, partying dude, and uh, he was great. I like great. Joas. I, I like Joas I just, already. I, I just <laughs> I just remember him playing drums wearing cowboy boots. Which that's awesome. Insanity. That's amazing. I, I could never do that. No, but uh, anyway, so I kind of hit it off with Tim, and at some point, you know, Joas basically disappeared, and they had some shows coming up. Tim called me and said, "Hey, you want to come to these Love Drug gigs?" Quick question. Yeah. Spurs or no Spurs? 
<laughs> there were no Spurs. Okay, all right. Well, that would have been re- great. Lost a little respect for Joey. Could have could have did some tambourine percussion. All right, never mind. Move along. It's so move funny. Along. Like I have never heard anything about Joey since this time. <laughs> I just happened to to remember his name. But anyway, uh, so yeah, they they flew me out to Ohio, and uh, I listened to the song. They sent me the record. I listened to it for pff, maybe three days. Like he called me less than a week before I had to be there. And they flew me to Ohio, and I went to the club, and we uh, set up our stuff, and I played through the set one time, and then we played the show like two or three hours later, uh, and it was awesome. I loved it. I just I loved the song. You know, like you know how it is. Like when you when you really connect with something and, and you really love it, it makes it so much easier to to get on board with it. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I loved the songs. I loved them. So and I still do. So so when I heard them, like I. It's like when he called me, I I already knew them, you know, like I just, I love that record. And so it was easy. And, uh, so yeah, I ended up, I, I flew to Ohio and basically ended up staying there for two years. Um, and just, we, they, they had already recorded the, the record, uh, pretend you're alive. And, uh, we toured that record and then did another one, um, which was, uh, uh, everything starts where it ends. And yeah, it's just like really one of the best best times in my life. Like I, I that to me that was like you were on you were on pretend you're alive. Uh, no, I was not. You that's toured best. for pretend you're alive. I I toured for it. That's Joe's. That's Joe's playing on the record. Got it. Okay. All right. And, uh, yeah, and I, I played on uh, everything starts where it ends. Got it. And uh, <clears throat> you know, I just loved it. It was, it was you know one of my favorite bands. I just the songs were great. The guys were great. Um, I ended up bringing my friend Matt Depper, who was the other half of Snow Hunter. He played bass um, for those two years. Um, yeah, just one of the best times ever. Love, love those guys. Love, the, love that record. Love those songs. Um, but at, at the end of the day, it just wasn't really working out. <laughs> you know, you know how it goes financially, family wise, time wise. You know, it just was getting to where the uh, the uh, downside was was outweighing the perks. So yeah, ended up coming home and, and that was really it for me. I mean, I really haven't toured. I think I did a few tours with Omar sailor after that, but it was, that was kind of the end of the touring cycle for me. <laughs> it's a busy year for you. 2007. Uh, everything starts where it ends from love drug. Everything starts yeah. EP 2007. Yeah. I played on the, on, and it's funny because, uh, I, I didn't really even tour for that record or the EP. That was James who took over for me. Okay. Uh, so, so like one guy played on the record and I toured for it and then I played on, on the next record and and another guy toured for that. (laughs) So (laughs) it was just a weird, uh, it's just how it went. And but, bear, uh, bear Colony, uh, we came here to die, and Chase Peg yeah. and Oh Music, uh, Musica. Uh, yeah, uh, Bear Colony. Yeah, Bear Colony is a collective. It's about me and twelve other friends, including uh, Matt Depper, who I've mentioned a bunch of times. Uh, but the main songwriter for Bear Colony is my friend Vince Griffin, who is a just an amazing songwriter and a great person, a good friend. Uh, we put out two records now. Um, actually produced the second record soft dies uh wrote a lot of it produced it uh worked really close with vince on that and uh but yeah it's it's a uh, when i say it's a collective it's like you know it's a bunch of guys and we get together in the studio and whoever has the best part gets to play it <laughs> okay and uh 
and some guys aren't there every time. Um, so we just work with, you know, it's sort of like nobody owns it kind of thing. Uh, we all just work with whoever wants to be involved and we make it work. Um, it sounds like a, it sounds like a sports team. You have like a depth chart, you know, like, I know, right? like if your running back is injured, you pull in the, you know, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's probably my favorite band because I feel like the most connected with that. Um, cause those, those are my good friends. I mean, those are guys that I still talk to, you know, on a weekly basis. So you heard um, it here. Matt hates Unwed Sailor, Love Drug, uh, oh my Norma God. Jean, uh, <laughs> so Chase Pagan, he hates Fear, everybody and, Matt Fear and Loathing <laughs> in Las Vegas, or whatever that band is uh, called. <laughs> <laughs> actually, uh, and even uh, Family History actually should just be called Chase Pagan. That's, that's a band I do with Chase. He writes all the songs. It's basically Chase Pagan. He just wanted to have more of a band vibe so he came up with a band name and we found some some good friends from memphis to uh do that record for us which hasn't actually come out yet but those are all chase's songs it might as well just be chase's third album um uh but no i love all those bands um that's actually my favorite band name of all the of all the 90 bands that you're in i think family (laughs) history is my favorite band name i think that's pretty cool you know I, i really love that record um you know we just really haven't it, it's one of those weird things, you know, like we, if we put more into it, it could do something, but we're all just older. And, you know, I think for me, at least being in the studio is, is much more fun than playing shows or being in the road. I mean, I actually, I hate being on the road and playing shows is a pain in the ass. Like I'd much rather just be in the studio. Like that's what I love. That's what, that's what I think is sort of the timeless aspect of, of a, for a musician, you know, like, that's the thing that outlives what you did. And, uh, and so, yeah, that's what I, I focus almost all of my time on that now is, is studio work. Preaching to the choir, son. I know exactly how you feel. I know, I'm, right? I'm trying to build up the same, uh, I'm trying to build up the same sort of little, uh, corner of the internet, but, uh, let's, uh, <laughs> let's take a, let's take a little break and listen to some family history. Sounds good.
So this has been pretty cool for me because uh, we were, <laughs> for those of you listening, I think we're like an hour into the podcast, but we're really like two hours into our conversation. And we started off talking about Mitch Hedberg <laughs> and his Peter Frampton joke. How, do you like toast, Frampton? <laughs> uh, <laughs> now get away. Do you like toast, Matt Putman? Yeah. See, like, As do I. I know all the living sacrifice and Isokaris and stuff and, and even uh, Fear is a Driving Force. Every, all the rest of this, I, I know Love Drug is huge, but... I, I I don't know I don't know anything about it so this is cool to hear like a musician who I respect and think is cool and hear all this other stuff um you know on a face to face basis it's very cool and I imagine there's other people who are, who are listening her the same way they know you know a lot of people who listen to or who probably listen to the podcast are Veritas fans and they're they're all you know hey man you should put out the first three Living Sacrifice albums so they all know that stuff <laughs> so this is probably cool education for them as well. Matt, yeah. Matt's a buddy of mine from back in the day that I met at a couple shows, but now that I'm really paying attention to him to try to talk to him on a podcast that I'm involved with, I kind of feel like we have this six degrees of Kevin Bacon thing going where <laughs> you've, you've mentioned everybody who's ever lived in or in, even near Arkansas and had yeah. anything to do with music. And, um, man, you went to Ohio and just look, look at this list. This is ridiculous. We talked a little bit on the break about, uh, David Thomas Owen, you said he's the guitarist from Love Drug. He put out his own solo album, yeah. Uh, Solace My King, and you played on that. Um, yeah, great, great record too. Dave, Dave is a great songwriter. He doesn't do much songwriting these days, but but when I was in uh, Love Drug, he was the guitar player. And I mean, like, you know, like Dave is, you know, sometimes when you're out and about in life, guys, you meet people they're just kindred spirits <laughs> you got weird for dave, yeah. I know. you know it's like dave is just one of those guys like you know you meet him and you're like automatic automatically it's like boom i connect with this guy you know like there's not there's no awkwardness there's no weirdness like this is a lifelong friend right here and uh and that's, that's how dave. I, that's how i felt when i met carrot top <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, we uh we we played in, in Love Drug together and then, you know, uh I, you know, I quit I quit the band and then a few years later he did. But he had a ton of songs that he was writing and he came down to Arkansas and uh my brother Adam uh engineered that record, produced it. And I played on it, and actually, uh, Matt Depper played bass on it. So I was, it was just going to say, uh, where does Matt Depper play into this? I, I don't know. even know the guy, like, but he comes dude, up in every one of your stories. Matt, Matt Depper is ridiculous. <laughs> like he, he doesn't do anything now except work at the coffee shop, but he is the by far still the best musician I know. I thought even either. though he doesn't do shit, like he is so awesome. <laughs> like you know, it's hard to get him to do things. It's either. But, uh, it sounds like he needed to decompress and go work in a coffee shop. He, uh, yeah, he's well, been he, as busy as you are, man. Yeah, he's been decompressing for a decade now. But uh, <laughs> I knew you were coming but, uh, back yeah, with Matt you know, Depper. Like basically, that you know, Dave's record was like three fourths of Love Drug, you know, and uh, and mm -hmm. I think I think just as good. I think it's a great record. I'm really proud of it. Okay. And uh, and and Esperanza Plantation put that out, which is uh, Bear Colony's label and uh, Glass Wand's label. So yeah, yeah, you skipped ahead there. We got we got uh, the last Royals. You're on two of their albums, an EP and a Twistification. Yeah, so uh, last Royals they used to be called. Um, uh, my memory is terrible. Um, 
I can't remember. It's all the woodchuck side. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so the last Royals, um, that band. Uh, so so Chris, my friend Chris Bradstreet, he managed uh, the last Royals, and he was also one of the managers for Love Drug. So uh, this was his friend, um, and we. Uh, he wrote some great songs, and so they flew me down to Nashville, and I stayed for a week at by far the most awesome studio I've ever been to called Dark Horse Studios in Nashville. Hmm. Unbelievable. Um, I felt like royalty when I was there. <laughs> it was just so cool. And, uh, yeah, it was like one of those things like you just uh, get up in the morning and you go and you play drums and you get done around 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, and you just go kick it in your room. You know, they got like bagels and cream cheese laying around, you know, just watching Sons of Anarchy and just living the life. It was awesome. Matt, I think I got the name you can't think of. What's that? Is it the early hours? Early hours. You did you you are a good Googler. Yeah, well dude, on your Wiki, <laughs> on your Wikipedia page, the um <laughs> the uh I already forgot what band we're talking about. The last Royals had a blue link, so I just clicked on yeah. it and the first thing that had quotes around it was the early hours. Yeah, they, shot. yeah. That's right. They were called the early hours and and then they changed the name to the last Royals. There you go. Um but yeah, I did that record with them. Um they actually ended up recording re recording quite a bit of that record. Um I, I believe they, they did that up in Brooklyn or somewhere in New York. But some of the tracks that I did survived and made it to the full length, and uh, it's a re- it's actually a really cool like electro pop record. It's really cool. Um, and that, so, but that but that was really I mean honestly like just maybe a month out of my life. It was really a brief, you know. <laughs> it was really quick. Media page. We got to talk about it. <laughs> I guess so. And that brings us to the last one. Finally, my God, I'm sick of talking to you guys. This has been so. <laughs> Uh, the last one is tell us about Glass Wands. That's oh, the only man. thing that says 2014 on it. I'd love to tell you about this. So this this is my friend uh, Brooks Tipton. All right. So me and Brooks go way back. He uh, he played. Uh, so I was playing in Umwood Sailor, and we decided that we wanted to have a keyboard player. And so I had a friend who said, um, "Hey, I met this guy at a show." And he played keyboards, and he, like, really loves Nine Inch Nails, and he's great. And uh, for me at the time, that was enough. I was like, oh, sweet. I got to go meet this guy. And so he was working at a a CD warehouse, which is like a CD. I don't know if if that's a chain. I have no idea. But at the time, that was a a little chain down here in Arkansas that just sold CDs. So I went in, and I met this guy while he was working behind the counter. And, And... I just said, you know, hey, you play keyboards, blah, blah, blah. He ended up coming on tour with us less than a month later. And so he ended up touring with them with Sailor. And then he uh, he actually introduced me to the most of the guys from Bear Colony. That's how I became friends with them. Okay. And uh, played on both Bear Colony records. Just an amazing keyboard player. And this this is Glass Wands is his solo project. So, uh, yeah, we did that in my garage. Uh, Chase Pagan recorded and engineered it. And uh, I think it came out close to a year ago, um, also on Esperanza Plantation, which is the record label that puts out Bear Colony mm-hmm. and uh, put out Dave's record and a few other things. So, What's the yeah. name of the record label again? Say it again. Uh, Esperanza Plantation. Esperanza Plantation. People have a mm-hmm. lot of things to write down in Google. My goodness. I know, right? <laughs> it's a cha- my, 
Cheney Nichols is the guy that um, that runs that label. Amazing person, huge music fan. He has the best uh, music collection you could ever browse <laughs> at his at his house. It's just ridiculous. Cool. Just a great guy, you know. Like really, honestly, <laughs> I only work with my friends, you know. These yeah, days. yeah, really. It really looks like <laughs> you, you you have a giant pool of people to pull from, but I know. It, it really sounds like like. Love Drug and Living Sacrifice were the only bands that you mentioned that almost seemed like I'm going to leave my I'm going to leave my my comfort zone and go and go kind of bigger. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everything else is yeah. tooling around with people you know or people that they know, and that's yeah. rad. What a cool way to do it. You know? Yeah, you're exactly right. And also, I I throw Umwood Sailor in there because I oh right know, right right at, at the time I was uh really Umwood Sailor was my first. Uh, foray into like non-heavy music, right? Um, but uh, I loved that band, uh, and I was I, re- I pretty much pestered them until they let me like play drums with them. <laughs> a boy, that's how you get it done. That's I how you know. Get the gig. <laughs> Just, like emailing, you know. And I went to I went up and stayed at Japuza, which was it's sort of this Christian commune up in in Chicago, right? And uh, really just pestered John Ford basically, but. uh yeah, I mean, yeah, everything I've done is uh, really just sort of, uh, I just do things I like, man. It's not that crazy. <laughs> so now you've, you've kind of taken yourself off the live market uh, about, you said about, in the break, you mentioned about a, a year ago. It's just time to time to just record and be a project studio guy. Yeah, you know, I got to the point where uh, playing shows, you know, m- most shows when you play them, they happen on the weekends. And, uh, you know, I like to spend the weekends with my family. Heck yeah. Yeah, um, I know exactly how you feel. I- I'm working all week. And, and, you know, when you work eight to five, you know, you get home and your evenings are almost just gone. You're so tired. Yeah. So so weekends are when you catch up. And, you know, when when you're playing in a band and it just doesn't it doesn't doesn't work you know what, so uh what do so, you yeah. do for what do you do from eight to five people inquiring yeah. minds want to know <laughs> i do marketing and i love it uh i work for a great company called uh arc best arc uh-huh. best ends for arkansas best it's a uh this is gonna get really boring it uh it's based it's uh you know it's freight shipping and logistics and uh 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 you know i work for a moving company and i do i do marketing <laughs> so uh i'm hanging out on google all day long and and being and uh you know writing ads we all so, got yeah. we all got nine to fives dude i killed yeah. mice i'm an exterminator <laughs> hard to believe but this podcast gig really doesn't support our families <laughs> i know uh, right i know what i know shocked the bank, the bank keeps calling for the mortgage and i'm like hang in there the stamps.com promo <laughs> is coming any day now yeah <laughs> uh, it's like your pain cool well you know, it's, it's it's always been really hard to to turn your passion into profit and uh i think i probably gave up on it a long time ago yeah so. i i hear what you're saying but you got some cool stories and you, you, your butt was on the road for a while and you played with some you played with some cool bands and yeah uh, anybody who's into this kind of stuff ha- has to look at this and respect it i mean if you don't like if you don't like heavy music there's plenty on it i mean go listen to marionette in the music box don't worry about it no heavy music on there you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> definitely and, not right and 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 two two years prior um you cranked out a hammering process come on man yeah. you know like there's got to be something on here that you like if you like ha- if you like rock music at all uh matt 
touched it somewhere. And um, just just a great conversation. Cool to talk to you. Cool to hear that you're doing well. And and um, thanks so much for coming on. This is this has been this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, man, it was an honor. My pleasure. Loved it. Cool. So uh, so now we're gonna stop talking about freaking Matt Putman for a couple minutes, if that's all right. And by transitive property, uh, Matt Depper as well. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, I'm gonna have to find out who connected. this dude is. I'm gonna find him on Twitter or something just to see. Oh who man, <laughs> it'll be hard. <laughs> every uh, every musician named Matt in Arkansas has been mentioned on this podcast. Yeah. I think that's great. So, uh, Jesse, what have you been listening to lately? Try to try to make this a, a weekly thing. What what's uh, what's going in your ear holes? I've been listening to a lot of stuff, really. And if you say a Matt Detmer record, I swear I'm going to punch him on top of the face. Well, I mean, it sounds like he's involved in most records, so he probably did something <laughs> on this one. Um, he, does it, he does it all while <laughs> doing nothing. Yeah. And I also heard that uh, Matt Matt Putnam is a multi-instrumentalist, so. <laughs> yeah, uh, multi. Uh no, I got this uh, STB Records. I talked about this, I, I don't know, a couple podcasts ago or something. I, I ordered this album, and the, the guy just like sold out all his albums. He's kind of a one-man crew. Sold them all out in like 30 minutes or something, and so he had like 500 records to pack up, so it took a while to get out. But I finally showed mm. up the other day, uh, Wounded Giant, Goya, Split 12-inch. Very cool, like Stoner Doom stuff. Um, I listened to that on the record player, but it didn't come with a digital download. Frowny face. Um, but the guy threw in, uh, you know, he threw in just a big old pile of stickers and like four or five full length downloads for other bands on his label. Um, and he's got another split 12 inch coming out, uh, King Buffalo and, uh, uh, which is very cool band. I got, I just got their demo the other day from with this order. Never heard him before. Very cool. Um, but also he sent a full length of, I think it's Libitra or something. They're from Sweden. It's L-E, like the French L-E, and then B-E-T-R-E. I just listened to it for the first time today on the way home from uh, The Real Job, and uh, it kind of blew my mind. I mean, I just really liked it. It's just kind of like, it's like kind of heavy blues, stoner kind of rock. And when I say heavy blues, I don't mean like Zach Wilde or whatever, but... um, yeah, I really like it. The track that really kind of grabbed me off the album was called uh, Heel Fire, like H-E-E-L. Awesome. At first I thought maybe it was a typo, like supposed to say Hellfire or something. I don't even know what the song's about <laughs> yet. I, I literally I listened to the album a couple times a day, but uh, apparently it's called Heel Fire. fire. And maybe it's about <laughs> athlete's foot. I don't really know. Heel Fire and Brimstone. Heel Fire and Toenail Fungus. I don't know. Hilarious. <laughs> Uh, so we we went a little we went a little long. Thanks for hanging out and listening to Matt. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna close out the podcast with uh, with Jesse's uh, heel fire song. And and uh, thanks again, Simplecast. Seriously, get, did a fantastic job with straightening out uh, the iTunes confusion and everything. And and uh, if anybody's gonna start a podcast, just just go to Simplecast. Don't waste your freaking time with anything else. And 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 Matt, you have one job at this point. You mentioned uh, 700 people that you've played with. You have to get in touch with every single one of them and tell them to list, listen to this episode of the podcast. Oh, that's easy. I'm going to do that. There you go. Send out like a blast email and everything. Yeah, it's called Facebook. There you go. Well, right Jesse, on. close us out. Yeah, thanks, Matt. It's been awesome talking to you, and um, we'll, we'll see you guys next week.
Leave. 